So did you catch yourself this week? You said something, and then all of a sudden you said, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe you didn't catch yourself. (laughs) Somebody was offended. Somebody was hurt by what you said. And you still haven't caught yourself. But you said something. I know I did. (laughs) There was a couple times then I go, oh, I wish I could have that back. So I was thinking, well, what what, what would be a great thing? A great thing would be when when you say something, all of a sudden for time to freeze. And a voice to say, are you sure you don't want to take that back? Before it gets to the person, and you go, no, I, I really mean that. No, I think you need to take a time out and think about that. Pray about it a little bit. Let's just take a quiet time out here before you do that. And you come to a place, you go, yeah, you're right. And then it's like a, it's like a, a, a yo-yo. You can go, tink, and pull it back, and it didn't even get to the person. Wouldn't that be great? If it, you know, we might not, we might have a, a, a hard time making it through the day because those uh, those happen quite often. But here's the thing: your tongue has a power probably beyond what you think. It does a lot more good and a lot more damage than you ever dreamed. Uh, the writer of Proverbs says this, and the writer is exactly right. He says, "Watch your words." and hold your tongue, you'll save yourself a lot of grief. Most of us would say, yep, but that's after the fact. And that's after I said it and I learned my lesson. So we want to look at how does our tongue control us and how can we control our tongue. So we're going to jump into James chapter 3 and we'd love you to follow along. Uh, There should be an outline in your bulletin. And then there's also, Dave mentioned a sermon guide. Uh, a guide for the for the the sermon based small, uh, life groups, and so if you'd like to, uh, you, you, there's a couple things in there that you may individually want to go through, or as a group this week. But let me read through the chapter James three. This is probably one of the best chapters on trying to get a grip on your tongue and and how you speak to others. Then in, in in all of the Bible, the, this plus the book of Proverbs. If you spent time here trying to apply this passage in the book of Proverbs, you'll be way ahead. But let me read it. James chapter 3, starting at verse 1. By the way, I'm not going to spend much time with verse (laughs) 1. You'll see why. Not many of you should become teachers. Okay, we're not going to spend a lot of time there. That's for another time, and I had my time with the Lord this week with that, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, I could spend the whole time and talk about that, and you'll go, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt, but we're going (laughs) to try to make it a little more applicable for everyone in the room. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what what they say is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can take uh, and turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. 
All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And the answer is no. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? No. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. I don't know about you, but that's an amazing chapter of Scripture. You could spend a month in that passage of Scripture and just reflect on it and read it and reflect upon it. And every day, God would give you a little gold nugget that you could take to your heart. So I'd encourage you to spend some time in that chapter in the week or weeks to come. So here's what we want to do. We want to first look at the power of our words. And uh, James is saying something important. He's saying there's a power built within our words. That they carry a power to do good or evil. Our words are more powerful than we think. James wants us to know that they're not just words. There's more to it than that. The Bible says that your words don't all only wish good, but they impart good. They don't just wish evil, but they impart evil because they have a power within them. That's what James is saying. Words aren't just words. There's a power within them. And we're going to look at that a little bit. You've all heard the childhood uh, thing, the rhyme. And it goes like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I have scars all over my hands and, you know, different parts of my body. And for some of them, I go, well, how did that happen? Or when did that? I, I wouldn't be able to tell you when that happened. And maybe a couple of them are in the last year or two. But if you had asked me about a name that I was called when I was in, in grade school, I could tell you the name and I could tell you the person who said it. I remember it like it was yesterday. And James is saying, your words have that power. We, we, we ought to change the rhyme and we ought to say, sticks and stones can only break my bones, but words can penetrate my soul and pollute it forever. Words are set, can set a life on fire, or they can bring hope and healing. They can bring a curse, or they can bring a blessing. That's why the writer of Proverbs says this, The words of of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings 
healing. You know, every study that you look at tells you that children are like sponges and they need positive words in their lives on a regular basis. And they need multiple positive words. And there was this emperor, and he was called by some emperor Frankenstein. And his name was Frederick. He was Frederick II of Sicily. And he would also often do these scientific experiments. For instance, one, of the t- one time he decided he wanted to do uh, a scientific experiment on digestion. So he had two men eat the same meal. He had one go out and hunt. And he had other take a nap. And so after about six to eight hours, he decided he wanted to see how the digestive process was working. Well, let's just say the two men didn't live. Okay, that's why they called him Dr. Frankenstein. Now, another study he did was he wanted to f- discover what, what was the language, the, the language of Eden. What was the first language? What, and so he decided the best way to determine that was to take babies and so he, he grabbed, I don't know where he got them, but he got some babies together. And the, the, the nurses that raised the babies were told, you, you are to have no interaction with them. You're not to talk with them. You're not to coddle them. You're not to do anything. Because we want to determine what kind of language will they come up because, because he thought, well, this will be it. This will be the language, the natural language, not taught, but the within language. Every one of those babies died. Every one of them died because there was no human interaction with that baby. You say, words are just words. No, they're not words. Words are as necessary to us as food and water. You know, words do a lot for us. Words, before you know it, as you're growing up, your words are telling you who you are. Through your parents, through your friends, through your, your family. They tell you who you are. You're small, you're short, you're tall, you're, you're smart, you're not. <laughs> you know, you, all these words kind of come at you. And then, then, then there's somebody else who says the same thing. So the next thing you know, you're being defined. You can't define yourself. You have to have other people who define you. The problem is some of you were raised in an environment where you were properly and honestly and lovingly defined with positive words. Some of you were raised in an environment where the words were negative, where the words were mean, where the words were cutting. And you may be in your 40s or 50s or even 60s and today you still struggle to try to say, who am I? Because our words define who you are. Words define who you are. Um, words are powerful things. We all need positive words from the outside. We learn about ourselves from others. We think of, about ourselves based upon the verbal feedback we receive from the ones outside of us. I caught myself this last week. It's, I want to just go really quickly on it. So I don't want to dwell on it, but it was just a thought I had. There's a number of things that, uh, that uh, I'm sitting, you know, different projects that I'm thinking about doing and working on and stuff. And uh, I found myself struggling to, to say, well, can, can you do that? Are you going to be able to complete that? Is it gonna, are we going to be... And, and I thought, a thought popped into my head. And I don't know, I, I think the Lord gave me this thought. And, and 
it was kind of like this. It was, Matt, if, if somebody were to ask you if you could help them do this for them, could you do it? And I'd say, oh, well, of course. That's not a problem. We can, yeah, of course we can do it. We'll find a way to do it. We'll get it done. But, with, but here I am thinking, can I do it? And I thought, where did, that, where did that thought come from that said, I don't know whether you're going to be able to do this or not. When if, if it was somebody else, oh, we'll find a way to do it. We'll fix it. We'll do it. We'll get it done. Where are those negative thoughts? And I just caught myself. It was almost like a, a, a whiff, you know, just, just this, 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 it's not a constant thing, but I hear it now and then and I'm going, where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? Uh, what we need is honest, loving, kind, and encouraging words. And we need lots of them from birth. And sadly, many parents aren't in a place where they can give up any positive words out because they're struggling with their junk, right? By the way, parents, let me just say this. Paul tells us to speak the truth in love. And though you need to have positive words, loving words, you, you, you have to tell the truth in love. One of the worst things you could do for children is to tell them things that aren't true about themselves. And even if they're positive things, you know, you're the best at this. Well, maybe you shouldn't say you're the best at this. Because one day, Johnny, little Johnny's going to find out he's not the best. And he's going to, you know who's going to tell him? If you don't communicate lovingly and kindly and, 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 and honestly with your children, you know what will happen? They'll kind of get this, this view of themselves. It's not real. And you know what the world will do? The world will make it real for them. And they don't care how they do it. So be honest with your kids. Honest words, kind words, but truthful words. Balance it all out. It's really important. See, if you don't do it, the world will. And the world doesn't care if it hurts them. Where do we get this positive view of ourselves? Well, we get it from the Bible. You know, that, and that's why the Bible reading and reflection is so important. The Bible tells us really two very important things. And, and this is where we get the truth and love from the Bible. The Bible tells us that you're a sinner and you're lost and you're desperately in need of God and you can't save yourself. I mean, you're, you're done. I mean, you're dead. You're, you're the thief on the cross. Jesus, I'm dead. Unless you save me, I'm dead. I, I, don't have a ch- I don't have a prayer. I don't have a chance. That's the first thing the Bible tells you. But it tells you that God sent a Savior for you. And that if you call upon Him, not only will you not be dead, you'll be alive. More alive than you've ever been. That you'll, that you'll have life like you've never had it. That you'll become His son and daughter. So I'm a sinner. And I'm guilty. And I'm dead, but I'm alive. I'm his son, and I'm a daughter. And we hold those in tension. Why? Because we get a big head if we think, well, I'm the son of, you know, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. You know, hear me roar. But I'm still a sinner. And I've got, a, I've got an evil, James says, you've got a tongue on you, that if you don't watch it, it will get out of control and it will do some damage. So, so it keeps you honest, right? You, you balance those two truths out. But they're taught in Scripture. And when we hold those two truths in tension, uh, it is a good thing. James tells us that words can become either a curse or a blessing. That we can use our words in a way to bring refreshing to everyone around us. Or we can use our words as weapons to destroy the people around us. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought that your words this coming week 
could bring, if you think of it, sometimes your life is like a desert. And you have not had a positive word in your life from your boss, from your spouse, from your kids, from your, your parents in, in months. Can you imagine what it would be like if you went through and you, not, you're not blowing smoke, you're not making this up. You're, you're being honest and you say something very positive to a person. Not because you're trying to get anything, but you're just speaking positive, refreshing it's like being in the desert and finding a cool oasis and putting your mouth in the water and drinking from it. You could be that for another person. But see, many times we're so caught up in our own lives, we don't even think about that, that our words could have that positive way. Let me just say something about how our society and our world is changing. We've gone from a verbal society to a texting electronic we text. Now, we may communicate a lot more, but I, I don't, and I think in a, in a lot of ways it's a good way, but a good thing, but in a lot of ways it's not a good thing. I think that we do a lot too much texting and too much email uh, on, on things that we shouldn't do that for. Um, sometimes, especially with, uh, with con- conflict and emotional things, you need to uh, sit down with a person face to face and talk to them. Why? Because you can't tell emotion. Don't talk to me about emoticons. I have a smiley face. Good for you. But that's, that's not good. You have to be there. Because when you're talking to a person, you have eye contact, and you have the nonverbal, you're able to see and you're able to perceive what is happening there. And that's why sometimes you need to push the phone away, push the computer away, and you need to pick up the... F- well, I just told you to push the phone away. Pick up the phone... <laughs> And call that person and sit down with that person and have a conversation with that person. Because then you really hear what's going on and you really see what's going on. And, and what we're doing is we think we're communicating through text messaging and email. And we are, but we're not. So I'm just saying that. I'm just throwing that out there. So in the spirit of doing good communication using technology, can I just make a couple of suggestions and there's more of those i think there's a whole list of those in your in the in your bulletin in the sermon guide one of them is don't text something don't text something that would make your mom cry don't do it don't text something that your mom so there's a whole bunch of them in there one of one of the statements in there i want to just talk about this for a minute and, and I, uh, I picked this up from another pastor, and I thought it was really wise, and I threw, I threw it in there. He said, words have both when and where. And, and what he means by that is this, and I think he's actually right. What we have done is we have allowed the phone to bring everyone to bed with us. We sit down, and uh, we hear this, uh, the, the notification sound. You just got a text. You just got a, a Facebook uh, friend. You, you just got this. You got, you got all this notification. And what do you do? You pick it up. And now you're communicating to somebody, right? You're talking to them. You're texting them back. And, and we, <laughs> there's a point where you, you and, and we have expectations. We said, well, I sent you an email. I sent you a text. Why didn't you get back to me? It's been an hour. And, and you need to set some boundaries for that. And, and you need to be okay with that. Because you know what? 15 years ago, none of us was doing text messaging like we are now. And we got along okay. 
It wasn't the end of the world, you know, if we didn't communicate that we're having dessert now and showing a picture of it. And Okay, that's a different subject. <laughs> that's a different subject. Okay, that sounded a little bit like the old guy saying, get off my lawn, didn't it? <laughs> but here's what I'm saying. Um, there's, only a, there's only a few people in my life who have direct access to me anytime. And it's not you guys. <laughs> it's my wife and it's my kids. That's it. They have access to me anytime, anywhere, but no one else. And, and, and maybe you need to set a boundary like that. It's okay to have a boundary like that because it's kind of invading every aspect of our life. And maybe there needs to be a time and a place for it. And we need to reposition that because it's... It's like that expand foam it's kind of pushing in and it's... Alright, there's more of those tips in there. Um, like one of them is don't text when you're angry or upset. In other words, don't deal with... And I kind of said that. Don't deal with conflict via email or texting. Because, you know, we're looking at James passages saying it's what I'm saying with my, with my mouth. And I'm saying, no, it's what you're saying with your fingers. You see, this is the new age we live in. Now we're using our fingers to communicate and we're saying things that nobody can see our emotions and our, uh, what's going on, but we're still saying words and sometimes they're not very nice. Fire off an email, angry email to somebody lately or a text. All right, so that's, that's the power of our words. Let's look at the source of our words a little quicker here. The source of our words... Um, we're, we're not going to be able to get to the root of the problem until we get to the source. And James basically says that, uh, he uses three pictures. He says that you can, you can turn a boat with a little rudder. You can turn a horse with a bridle. You can, t- or a bit in, in, the, in, the, in the horse's mouth. You can uh, start a fire with a little spark. You can, you can do all those different things. And the point he's making is the tongue. It's a very small part of your body, but it can turn your life one way or the other, good or bad. Here's the problem. We often try to control our words by, as they leave our mouth. So we have what we call, you know, and you, nobody in this room has one, I'm sure, a swear jar. Nobody has one, right? Uh, but that's just where you swear and you put uh, $5, $10 in the jar and that's supposed to keep you from doing it. I remember one time, and my mother's gone now so I can tell this. Um, I remember... One time we were looking for a parking space, and uh, she, she'd always say this. She'd pray for a parking space. Okay, I don't know what that means, but we'll pray for a parking space. And so you'd pray, and then I remember one time a parking space came, and all of a sudden a car pulled in front of us and took it, and she said, oh, shh. And then right after that she said, oh, shh, again. But she said it because she had said that, oh, the first time. She was mad that she said that the first time. So, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what happens, right? <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. The problem, the source of the problem, Jesus told us in, Mar- in Luke 6.45. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Full of. 
or another translation says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're trying to c- control your mouth, you're too late. You have to ch- control your heart. And, and I've gone about over this a number of times. But let me just quickly say this. If you have a worried heart, you'll have worried words. If you have an angry heart, you'll have angry words. If you have a, 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 a vile heart, you'll have vile words. If you have an evil heart, you'll have evil words. But if you have a heart that's loving and peaceful and kind and gentle, you'll have gentle, kind, peaceful words. But here's the problem. We don't often hear our words. We don't hear them. (laughs) We say them, but we don't hear them. And if we could play them back, we'd go, oh, I don't think I said that. Well, no, that's you on the recording saying that. And sometimes we have to say, would you listen to me? Uh, Many of you won't remember this. Uh, Some of you will. But in uh, 1968, Richard Nixon was elected the 37th president of the United States. And he resigned in 1974. And that made him the, the only U.S. president to resign from office. Now, he did this in the midst of Watergate. And I'm not going to go into what Watergate was. Basically, he broke into the Democratic things and, you know, they got caught. But what really... So, some would say, well, that was the end of Reagan. and or uh, Not Reagan, excuse me. <laughs> uh, very uh, poor choice of a, a contrast there. Um, Nixon, basically, some say, well, that was what, what the downfall of Nixon. But it wasn't, really. The downfall of Nixon was the Watergate tapes. And the Watergate tapes basically revealed something about Richard Nixon that the general public never knew. When you listen to the tapes, you find out this he is coarse, he is mean-spirited, he is nasty, he's profane, and he's vulgar. And his words showed who he was. When he didn't think anyone was listening. And the American people were shocked by it. We can, we can all pile on and say, what a horrible thing. But how many of us would want to have a recording of what we said, edited in just some of the highlights of the last month of what we said played right now? Most of us would say... Yeah, pass. (laughs) No, not interested. Now, you may be here and you say, you know, Pastor, I get it. You know, some people have, but I don't really think I'm that bad. I, I really don't think I'm that bad. Okay, well, here's an exercise. Here's what I want you to do. And I didn't come up with this, but I came across it and I thought it was very good. Um, this is to help you, to convince you that you need help, that we all need help, okay? Uh, here's what I want you to do. This is for the next week. Don't do the following things, all right? Don't do the following things. Do not complain or grumble. Do not boast about anything. Do not co- gossip or repeat a matter. Do not run someone into the ground even a little bit. Do not defend or excuse yourself no matter what. And then always affirm someone else. Some of you are going, a week? How about three hours? And you know what? You're honest. And you get it. 
Because you'll, find, you'll begin to see what's really going on in your heart. You'll also find that you're constantly boasting and cursing. That you're building yourself up at, uh, at someone else's expense. That you're making excuses for your bad behavior. That you're constantly putting yourself in the best light while you put others in the worst light. Why is that? Why do we do that? And that's the cure. And that's the last thing we want to look at. The cure for our words. See, only when we look at who we are in God's eyes will we be able to cure our heart. Because basically what it says is that our heart is uncontrollable. We, on our own power and our own ability, cannot control our heart. We can't tame our heart. But there is one who can. There is one who can change our hearts. There is one. In fact, uh, the Old Testament said, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. Jeremiah says, I'm going to give you a new heart, not like before. It's going to be a new heart. It's going to be a different heart. I'm going to break that stony heart up. And and when he gives us that new heart, good things happen. See, the only way to cure our tongue is to clearly see that we stand where we stand with Almighty God. That we don't need to defend ourselves. We, we are guilty sinners, but we're also forgiven sons and daughters. Jesus was condemned for you so that you could be accepted and you are. So if you're accepted and loved by the most important person in the universe, then everything else is like, really, it's not. It's like this. If you, let's just say I walk out today, and I'm about ready to walk out the door, and um, a little boy, let's say he's nine years old. And, and I say, well, how you doing, son? And he says, you're stupid. And I go, oh, okay. And I walk out the door and I get in the car and Carol and I are driving home and I start crying. Said, what are you crying about? Someone called me stupid. Well, who called you stupid? A little boy. A little boy calls you stupid. Well, how old was he? Nine, I think. Uh, let me get this straight. A nine-year-old boy called you stupid and you're crying over that? Yeah, he called me stupid. Well, come on. Right? The point I'm making is when the most important person in the world says, you're not stupid, you're my son, you're my daughter. It doesn't matter whatever other people say about you. They're, they're, they're nine-year-old kids that don't know any better. And they say you're stupid, they say you're whatever, and you go, okay, you could say that. Now, if, if it happens that I'm kind of emotionally healthy, and we run that scenario again, and I walk out the door and say, hey, son, how are you? And you're stupid. Say, okay, have a nice day. You walk out, and that's it, we're done. We've moved on, don't really care. This kid probably is going to need counseling down the road. But, <laughs> right, I mean... Essentially, what it comes down to is you're not like your whole life isn't wrecked and you're not controlled because you have somebody else who's speaking into your life and he happens to be the most important person in the universe and he sent his son and his son willingly gave his life for you and he says, you're a sinner but you're forgiven and you're my son and you're my daughter and I love you and if you don't know how much I love you, here's how much. So it doesn't really matter what other people say, Right? See, if you really understand that, if you rest in that, you'll be able to take criticism without dishing it out. 
You won't have to attack people. You won't have to gossip about people. You won't have to build yourself up all the time. You won't have to be boasting and cursing. Jesus Christ. What did it say about Jesus in John? In the beginning was the Word. He's the Word from God to you. He tells you who you are. He gives you your identity. And when you start listening to who He says you are, the Word, when He speaks into your life, you become a different person. And that is the power to heal and overcome all the things that have ever been said about you before. It can change you. It can heal you. It can overturn everything that your dad may have said, that your mom may have said, that your friends may have said, what your teachers may have said, what your coaches may have said, what your boss may have said, it doesn't matter. Because the one person who matters most says, I love you, I forgive you, you're my son, you're my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. And oh, by the way, Paul tells us that he's got a plan for you. He says this, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance for us to do. Not only does He love you, He has a plan for your life. When you allow Him to define who you are, you realize that if I'm accepted and loved by the most important person in the universe, Whatever anybody else has said or will say really doesn't, it pales in comparison. So then our heart begins to be healed. We don't have to build ourselves up. We don't have to make excuses. We don't have, we just say, I'm accepted by him. I rest in that. And now I have peace. Now I have joy. Now I have hope. And now I have what Jesus said to the woman at the well. I have this void in my life filled with living water that pours out of me and can be a refreshing to the people around me. That's what Jesus can do for you. James says you can't tame it on your own. A swear jar won't work. Jesus can and Jesus will. Let me pray with you as we go. Father, we, we hear the truth today. We need the truth today. We've heard the Word. We've heard about the Word. Uh, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's who He is. May we listen to His words, not the words of the others around us that really don't know us. They don't know the good in us, but they also don't know the evil in us. But Jesus knows both. (laughs) And he loves us and accepts us still. Thank you that you love us, that you paid a price for us, that you set us free. Heal our hearts, Father, because only you can. Help your word to take a root into our hearts and help us to begin to believe what we've heard this weekend from James, and from you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.